We are now past the 18-month mark in the Russian war on Ukraine. And one of the things that Western nations came together right off the hop to put in place almost immediately was sanctions. Remember that? There was the oligarchs that were targeted with all kinds of sanctions, the country itself targeted with all kinds of sanctions, um, meant to punish Russia, shut off their capabilities to bolster the war effort. And, of course, there will be violations. There always are. And there have been. Uh, and Canada has more than its share of violations here. Uh, the bigger issue, though, is the government doesn't really seem to be doing much, maybe even to document them, but certainly to stop them. We're going to speak now with Rita Tritcher, who is a senior business writer and columnist with the Globe and Mail. Rita, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here today. Thanks for having me, Shane. Really interesting work. Um, let's just start by defining the problems here, because I think there's there's more than one. First, though, in terms of violators and how... Canada is, you know, sort of graded against the rest of the world when it comes to violations. We're not doing that well, are we? Well, there's no, we're not. And there's violations on a number of different fronts. Um, the piece that I wrote about uh, last week really focused on companies uh, that are using Canadian addresses. And what these companies are doing is they're purchasing goods that the U.S. and other uh, Western nations have uh, put on a sanctions list, you know, prohibited goods, um, and they're buying them uh, on behalf of entities in Russia, so acting as intermediaries. Mm. And then um, that uh, these prohibited goods are making their way to Russia. And the big fear is that some of these prohibited goods could be used to fortify Russia's um, military efforts in Ukraine. And so, I mean, we're, we're talking about, it would appear, knowingly trying to evade the sanctions, right? I mean, it's not like this is a, whoops, oh, we didn't realize. Like, it, it looks like this is being done deliberately. It, it, this is suspected sanction evasion right. by companies uh, that are using Canadian addresses, yes. Gotcha. Um, now, in terms of what happens to these companies or go-betweens or whatever? Has there been any consequences to this point that you know of? Has there been any follow-through? Well, we're not sure. Uh, the information that we received comes not from the Canadian government, but from an arm of the U.S. Uh, Department of Treasury. It's called the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. It's called FinCEN for short. And what has happened with FinCEN is they put out um, a financial trend analysis uh, earlier this month that looked at companies located all around the world who were violating these Russian export controls and buried within the, you know, bowels of this report, as I wrote uh, in the Globe, was this revelation that Canada is um, a top 10 country uh, when it comes to companies buying and then exporting prohibited goods to Russian entities. And that was the shocking revelation because mm -hmm. this isn't something that had come from our own government in Ottawa. This is something that the Americans had included as part of a broader report looking at companies all over the world. Yeah, which is not ideal by any means. So you, you, you tried to reach out to Canadian authorities, right? You tried to get the Canadian agencies involved to give you some commentary. How did that go? Okay, well, you know, with mixed results, um, <laughs> the RCMP, uh, which does have some role in terms of collecting data under one of our sanctions laws, and there's more than one, uh, didn't immediately provide comment. Global Affairs didn't comment um, when I put some queries to them about what we plan to do about this. Um, FinTrack, which is our federal anti-money laundering, yeah. anti-money laundering watchdog, they did provide a response. And, you know, they talked about the efforts that they undertake 
to ensure that the companies that they regulate, which are companies that are subject to our federal anti-money laundering law, um, you know, are are doing their best in um, making, you know, have processes in place and actually are filing suspicious transaction reports when they see cases of sanctions evasion uh, corresponding with money laundering. Uh, But the problem is, of course, Fentrack is a very narrow mandate. And so it can only really generate analysis um, and, and kind of look into cases of this when sanctions evasion uh, intersects with money laundering, and not all sanctions evasion sure. does intersect with money laundering. So it's a big blind spot. Like, you've got to have two, uh, or they don't look at the one, right? I mean, you, you, the sanctions doesn't necessarily hit their radar, the sanctions evasion, unless there's money laundering tied to it. Yes, for Fintrack, the prerequisite has to be some sort of money laundering tied to it. I also contacted uh, the Canada Border Services Agency, which has, uh, over the last year, assisted U.S. authorities in shutting down some of these Canadian companies just to see if they would be able to provide some comparable sanctions. They didn't provide me with a response in time uh, for this piece to be published. However, after it was published, they did send me um, you know, a response about their previous efforts, but it didn't provide uh, any kind of com- comparable statistics. So we still only have this partial view of this issue based on a disclosure from U.S. regulators. Um, do, uh, do we have any kind of uh, insight as to what these violations might be, or are they just a line on a, on a, on a list? Uh, do, we, do we know what these violators were shipping to Russia? We don't know specifically the details, what the yeah. Canadian, yeah, what the Canadian companies are uh, were shipping to Russia, but the report does talk broadly about what the U.S. government's concerns are, and so some of those concerns, um, you know, really center on what is known as dual-use technologies, and so those could be things that um, could be used for civilian purposes. Uh, but also could be flipped and used uh, for military purposes as well. So some examples of dual-use technologies are things like GPS satellites, um, telecom radio equipment, um, you know, that can be used yeah, sure. uh, to facilitate cell phone networks, but then also it can be used for spying purposes, you know, night vision technology, uh, chemical biological tools, and nuclear technologies are just some examples. Interesting. Uh, Very great reporting. Uh, Rita, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it.